Because I can't believe that you popped up. It was great. All right, here we go. Yes, guys, right. welcome to another episode of Fire Builders Live. My name is Josh Corporal. I am streaming live from Key West, Florida. Today is a very special episode. I've got Ben Hart on the line. Ben, just want to say welcome to Fire Builders Live. Josh, thanks for having me on. Love to love uh, love being here. I'm trying yeah. to figure out how to share this onto my yeah. Facebook feed here, so I'm going to do that right now. No worries, man. While you're doing that and figuring that out, let me tell everybody, the folks at home listening, a little bit about this show. If this is the first time that you are listening to Fire Builders Live, what we do is we bring on experts. We take these big topics, these big goals, and we break them down into small steps, things that you can do every day to remain consistent and improve whatever it is that you're trying to do. And today is a doozy. Let me tell you, I know that there's a lot of people out there that not only are, um, are own their own businesses, they're entrepreneurs, they need marketing and sales. We're going to talk a lot about how to essentially incorporate those skills of salesmanship and marketing into your endeavors to get more successful. And I can't think of a better, more, more apt person to talk about this kind of stuff than Ben. Let me give you let me give you some cool facts about what Ben has done. You probably see, if you didn't see it on my Facebook page already, the photo of Ben that I decided to use was a little bit different than what I normally do. It's because I took that as a screenshot from one of his breakdancing competitions. Now, Ben, right, has a wide range of interests, but one of them is that in his mid-50s, he decided to take up breakdancing, and he's been doing it ever since competing in things like the Red Bull pro breaking event, right? All of these other types of, of, of uh, break dancing competitions. And that's actually how I found, how I found Ben was scrolling through YouTube and I found these break dancing videos and I'm like, holy shit, I need to get to know this guy. So not only is he just a break dancer, he's had a pretty illustrious career in Washington, DC. He's had articles published in the wall street journal, the national review, He's been featured on Good Morning America. He's done everything from writing speeches to Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush to essentially breakdancing and doing like, you know, six steps in front of uh, the Capitol building. So all of that is on his YouTube channel. I encourage you guys to check it out. But quite honestly, why we're here today is because Ben has figured out a way to free himself from just the regular office life. Ever since the nineteen, uh, the mid nineteen nineties, he's been heavily involved in direct marketing. For the last thirty five years, he's authored seven books on the subject, three of which had been on direct marketing. I'll tell you what, I am super excited to have you on the show, Ben. Welcome to Firebuilders Live. Thank you so much, Josh. I hope I can live up to your uh, your <laughs> intro here. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, the breakdancing is kind of funny. Just a funny story and it kind of maybe applies to kind of my attitude toward life is um, a friend of mine is a sponsor of, of a lot of these world world class uh, breakdancing competitions. And, you know, for about 10 years, he'd been trying to get me to come to one. And so I finally said, okay, I'm coming. And I was amazed at just uh, the athleticism and how much fun it was to be there. And uh, I, I live half time in Chicago and half time in Fort Lauderdale. And one of the top breakers there was um, was from Chicago. He was like, he's probably the best breaker in the history of Chicago. Uh, his breaking name is Shorty Brick. It's really amazing. And I, I met him and um, and I said, hey, uh, 
would you be interested in being my fitness teacher? And he said, sure. And uh, so that's how I got into it. And he started teaching me the, the steps and the moves and kind of what it was about. And after a couple of years, I entered my first battle <laughs> and uh, it was a completely, uh, a complete, uh, you know, embarrassment. But, um, you know, that everybody was very supportive and, and uh, I just really got kind of addicted to the whole thing. And I've always been in sports all my life. I was a ski racer as a, uh, as a teenager tennis player and uh, so athletics has always been something I've been involved in but what was great about breaking is it's an all-body kind of uh, exercise uh, kind of fitness thing so you really have to train all aspects of your body so during the process of the process of learning this over the past seven years or so you know I can walk on my hands I can do 80 push-ups now at the age of 62 I'm like five pounds heavier than my college weight I lost 30 pounds in, in like six months doing it and um, but the great thing about it was you don't really feel like you're working out because you're working so hard on the moves and trying to get the steps and get the moves right. You don't realize how many how many calories that you're burning in the process. And so uh, in a very quick period of time, you get stronger and in better shape. And and uh, and this kind of brings me to my whole uh, part of my philosophies of life, which is. Um, I've come to believe in process rather than goals. We keep on hearing the importance of having a goal and having a goal is important. It's important to know what direction you're heading. You know, if you're trying to get from Vermont to California, you know, uh, or, and if you don't know, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. So if you know you're heading in the direction of California, um, you know, you're, you might not get there exactly, you know, on the route that you picked. Be open to taking different routes and go more scenic over here, more scenic over there. But eventually, you know, you might end up in California. But if you're open to other opportunities along the way, maybe you end up somewhere else just as good. So and I, I think if you take that approach toward life, have a general goal. But really much more important is the process, uh, because if you are kind of have a daily routine, a schedule you do something every day you kind of pick a goal let's just say you want to be an olympic gymnastic uh, you want to win the olympic gold medal in gymnastics so you set on that course and do that and so during the during the course of doing that you learn how hard you have to work you learn focus you learn training you learn discipline you learn how to eat right you know learning all these things and you you develop these uh, work habits well the, the odds that you're going to win the olympic gold medal in gymnastics is like you know one in many million but during the process of doing that, you're going to learn all these things and you're going to be able to apply those things to whatever uh, whatever you decide to do. So um, I think that's a really uh, it's a good really skill to have. And we, uh, were, and we, were, really, right. we were talking about it like uh, before the show even started, like to, in order to be able to do that. I mean, I feel that that's perfect with the, the breaking idea, because you were telling me that the goal, the ultimate goal was fitness. Like I just wanted right. to get fit. But. I never would have thought that this journey would have led me to break dancing, right? Um, and I'm I'm actually exactly. curious what you have found. Just because I think that people listening, they might you know they might be curious as well, right? Of all of the of all of the moves and all of the break dancing that you have done, um, what has been the most difficult for you at at this age? Like you know, you see these guys like flipping around and doing. Right. And, and doing these flares and stuff like that and and uh, kicking their legs up and spinning around for you. Like what's been the most challenging? Oh, it's the learning the music and the dance aspect of it. Really, these tricks really? are kind of almost the the tricks are almost kind of like 
frosting on the cake. So if you go out there and you can't do sort of top rock, which is dancing on your feet, you know, correctly and kind of have the correct form, they're not going to have that much respect for you. They're going to have a lot more respect for you if you can do that than if you can do all that other stuff. So really? it's really the music. It's really the part of the whole culture thing, like hip hop dance. And that was another thing I really learned a lot. So I, I got into it. This is the process over goals things. I got into it because it looked like fun and I was most interested in the fitness. But then I've really gotten interested in the whole art of it. You know, the the details, the just like the and nuance also the culture. and stuff. Right. And, you know, I like to pick activities that have more than one purpose. So one purpose is to get fit. Right. Well, you can do that by going to the gym. But to me, going to the gym was kind of boring and it wasn't really getting me to where I wanted to get to. In it wasn't it wasn't allowing me to become as fit as I wanted to be because just getting fit wasn't enough of a goal. Uh, so but learning this skill, this craft, this art uh, became a lot more important. And um, and so in the process of doing that, I got more fit, but also uh, helped me with some of my charitable activities because I was interested in reaching inner city kids and low income kids and teaching them, you know, principles of how to be successful in life and, you know, uh, how to get a job, you know, uh, eat correctly, just, you know, how to yeah. do the things, you know, how to pay your phone bill so that if somebody wants to hire you. Uh, they can reach you, you know, that <laughs> that right, basic right. stuff, you know, just sort of basic how to organize your life uh, and how to turn their skill into potentially a business, too, because uh, there's not a lot of people out there who want to learn breakdancing, but they might want to learn to be fit, uh, cool. you know, so they could become fitness trainers and that kind of thing. So that was uh, so it, it kind of accomplished maybe three or four different things by getting into this. So I didn't really plan it. That ended up being what happened. Yeah, no, I, I love I love that story, and I I one hundred percent agree. Like you, as long as you kind of understand where you're going and let yourself take advantage of the situation mm -hmm. and just roll with it, even if it's if it's not the ideal. Right. Um, and 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 actually, because we're both sort of in the like the marketing world, I feel like there's a lot of overlap between between the way that you approach the marketing and sales of a product or service and, mm -hmm. and that journey, because at the end of the day, like in your example, if you're going from Vermont to California, well, if you're starting a business, Vermont is when you first create the product, right? And your California right. is owning a, you know, maybe it's a multi-million dollar corporation, a company, a business, and it's running on autopilot and you have a hazy idea of how you're going to get there. But the idea seems to be that you just want to try a whole bunch of stuff and let, mm -hmm. you know, and let those roads sort of materialize as you work your way West. Yes, uh, very much. Uh, well, of course, you know, the most important concept really in marketing is testing. So uh, almost everything that we know in marketing is the result of, of tests, a, a, B head to head tests that we do. So, you know, in direct mail or in direct marketing, generally, Long copy, long letters work better generally than short letters, presumably if you have something to say. Uh, but that's why, you know, the infomercial, infomercials work better than a 30-second ad. People who are interested in your your product or what you're selling kind of want all the information. So, uh, so really long-form sales letters, videos work better than you know, your 30 second, 60 second ad, because people who are going to buy, they got, they want the information. And I use like the golf. I, I used to play a lot of golf. I kind of replaced that with breaking, but, um, 
I used to be a golf fanatic. So I used to always read, you know, article after article in Golf Digest. I subscribe and, you know, hear your slice, how to hit, uh, how to, how to sit a putt better, and just read article after article on, on doing that. So if you're intensely interested in golf, you will do this. You, you will be reading the article in Golf Digest. Uh, and these are long articles, and it's very much the same article over and over again and the same points and so forth. But because you're a junkie for this particular activity, uh, you don't mind read, reading all these long articles. In fact, you love doing it, and you look forward to getting the magazine. And so when you are doing your marketing, you want to kind of – you want to really be a provider of unique information. Uh, I – you know, it's – it's uh, there's two. There's a couple of different kinds of marketing. One is like brand marketing. That'd be like Nike, but they have billions of dollars, you know, and they can they spend billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars building their brand. But you and I, we don't have the money to do that. So the way we have to sell is by telling an interesting story. Um, and I always say that, you know, telling an interesting story, providing in, uh, interesting information, one of the most powerful marketing tools is storytelling. Um, if you tell somebody a principle, um, you know, uh, don't tell lies, uh, you know, they're going to kind of forget that. But if you tell them the story of the boy who, who cried wolf, uh, that leaves much more of an impression that sticks in the brain. And that's why Jesus, he spoke in parables, little short little stories that you remembered, uh, which you remember a lot more than the Ten Commandments. Most people could not recite the Ten Commandments, but they do remember his parables. And so the story is what sticks in people's mind. And so uh, when you're doing your marketing and you're selling or, you know, your podcast, um, you've got to be telling interesting stories, not long ones that people are going to just, you know, too long. People come not out, but short little ones that really, really pack a punch. And that's what Jesus did with his parables, Aesop with his fables, um, the short story that really uh, that really sticks in the brain. And, and, it's, and it's one of those. It seems like it's one of those situations, too, where where nailing down what story actually resonates with people. That's a good mix of what your product or service does. And then what like the like internal wants and needs of somebody, the mesh between those two things is one of those. It's just one of those things that you constantly have to try. Uh, put yourself out there, put those stories out there, continuously test. Right. Yeah. Actually, you know, with headlines, you know, one of the most important elements of our marketing is your headline. And if you test on Google AdWords or Facebook ads, you'll find that just changing one word in a headline can easily make a 50 percent difference in the response. So uh, I'll just give you one example. I found uh, selling one product that the word simple did 50 percent performed 50 percent better than the word easy in the headline. So simple was better than easy. Well, how would you know that? You you wouldn't know that except for testing it. So uh, it, otherwise, you're just kind of shooting in the dark. So and the only reason that we know that long letters work better than short letters is through testing. Otherwise, we would think that short letters work would work better because who has all this time to to read all that copy? Well, if you're yeah. really interested in the subject, you have the time. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. make the time, right? Like in right. your golfing example, you want to do it. You want to read everything there is about it, and it's it right. almost like pre-qualifies too it, it shows if if you weren't really truly interested in that subject you probably would have closed it and gone off and done something different anyway the people that are really into it uh will read the whole thing and then most likely be highly probable to take the next step 
Right. And just think about podcasting, too. You know, Joe Rogan's podcasts are, what, three hours long? You know, you wouldn't think that uh, a podcast that was three hours long would, would, you know, could hold an audience. But because he has such interesting people on. Also, he's very interesting himself, you know, professional comedian. But he's uh, he, he's he's very good at this and he has great guests on and he knows how to make the podcast interesting. So you will sit there for three hours and uh, listen to Elon Musk or, you know, somebody like that who he has on. So. If it's an interesting subject, people will stick around. Have you found that, uh, that, that you've been able to use, I mean, I don't know how far you want to take the breakdancing thing. How far <laughs> do you think you're going to take it? Do you think that you'll just, you'll just do it until, um, you know, until you get My goal is it? to do it. My goal is, to, I, yeah, I'm not really, bored. I, I, I'd like to keep doing it at least till I'm 70. I want to be doing it when I'm 70. <laughs> It's sort of like a, I, a mini goal that I have. So, yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think that's great. And I they, they had me on Good Morning America twice uh, for the breaking when I was 61, right? Um, they had me on the second time as as a part of their feet, their favorite guests of the year. You know, it was like the week of favorite guests. They, they, they yeah. had me on this in that group. So I think that if I could do it when I'm 70, I think that would be pretty good. But it, that's just kind of like a mini goal. I just like the act of it you know and um it's you don't need any you don't need you, you can do it anywhere you don't need a gym you don't need any weights you don't need any tech yeah you could you just need about six feet of square space and that's it uh and, well i and, wonder i'm curious as to like if if for instance you were to create a course for you know <laughs> for for people that are 45 and older that want to get into breakdancing. I'm sure, I'm sure that that's going to, that's a niche that not too many people yeah. are in. Right. Yeah. I was uh, thinking of doing it. I've, th- I've thought about doing it. I, I thought about creating a couple like separate channels on YouTube. One would be for, one would be that like breaking for kind of seniors or people who are over 40, age 45. Um, and I could have a lot of actually, there's a lot of great breakers who are over age 45. There's some really great ones, but I don't think there's that many that are over. I'm, I think I'm the only one over the age 60 who's actually competing. <laughs> And I, and I started in my fifties. So, but I will say that I have inspired some of the old great breakers who were like great in the eighties and nineties to get back into it. You know, the, the, so you can maybe even <laughs> collaborate with them on, on this, like on a course to teach people. Well, anyway, the whole point, the whole oh, yeah. point was maybe you can, you know, if you, from a marketing perspective, right. Telling stories, I'm, I'm curious as to whether you see, Man, would there be any overlap that you could use your marketing skills with the breaking skills in order to create a better, a better product and use that as an example for how people should market their products or services? Yeah, yeah. Well, I th- you know, sometimes I use it like if I'm giving a lecture, like, a, and it, you know, people think, oh, I got to go to this lecture, this on marketing, it's probably going to be boring. You know, if it's like a business group or something like that, and it's just something that people have to go to. But if I start the lecture off with doing a little breaking, it kind of gets everybody's attention. You know, so that's <laughs> perfect pattern interrupt, so, right? They're just and, like, who is this guy? Yeah, and then he like, walks what, in. Yeah. Do a head spin or something. So, um, yeah, so that, so it's kind of attention. Get it. It's one of the, one of the really key principles in marketing, marketing is differentiation. And Seth Godin, who's one of the great marketing writers out there and, uh, he has a book called purple cow. And, uh, the idea of the purple cow is if, you know, you're driving along and you see all these cows you don't really notice them you just see all these cows out there but if there's a if one of the cows is purple you're going to stop and and, and notice it and so you really want to be a purple cow you know not just in your marketing but in in kind of in life in a good way you know you want to be you want to stand out in some way that that's going to you don't want to blend in you want to 
You want to stand out from the crowd. And so that's the, the purple cow principle. It's differentiation. That's a fundamental principle. But I think purple cow is a bit more visual than just say differentiate. Um, but that would be uh, it, so the breaking is part of that uh, helps. So I didn't plan it, but it, it, it does kind of play into that idea. Uh, it helps me in terms of building my relationships with people in that community, you know, uh, in South Chicago or down in Miami and and uh, that kind of thing. So and I would have no access to those people, to that community, uh, which I'm interested in being involved in because I think I can help them out with, uh, you know, just kind of principles of life and how to be better organized and that kind of thing. Self-help type stuff. And uh, so I honestly, I think it's an amazing example of differentiation of being a purple cow because you want, you know, if you what were you going to do? If you walked into an auditorium somewhere in like the middle of Detroit, right? Mm -hmm. And you 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 walk in there and you say, all right, kids, I'm going to teach you about life and some life principles. They're going to say, what the hell could I learn from this guy? Right. (laughs) What in the world can I learn from this guy? But you then say, but before we do, let's like, let's mix it up a little bit. Fucking like get a, you know, exactly. and, and start, start doing some breaking. Like yep. people are going to take notice. And, so I, well, what's I funny love is, that. You know, I can, because, you know, the skill that I've kind of uh, developed, uh, this world that I've kind of fallen into, I can literally go into any urban area and just find people to train with like in the in, whether it's south chicago or miami or paris or you know moscow anywhere i can uh i, I could find you know 25 people to just start training with you know it just and they'll be like world-class breakers you know so, yeah <laughs> yeah i'll just find it and um you know and and they know who i am because it's kind of a small world you know it's a it's not like yeah it's not like golf where you have you know millions of golfers out there there might be you know there might be a couple hundred thousand breakers, but there might be like 10,000 that are like really kind of serious, you know, worldwide, you know, doing the professional events and that kind of thing. What is it that that got you, you feel like past the mental blocks of doing this, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of ego and pride that you sort of have to swallow in order to put yourself out there. And like you said, your first comp, like, you know, you kind of made a fool of yourself, but you didn't let that Uh, stop you. It's like, just do it and move on. Other people don't well, necessarily think, have that. So how, right. yeah, how did you how did you get over that? Yeah. Well, I think I think one of my superpowers, and it's it's been this way all my life, is I cannot be embarrassed. Uh, I'm impervious to embarrassment, so I will just drive d- jump in and try anything. You know, if I kind of am a, you know, if if it looks like something I want to do, I'll just try it. And uh, and I think that that's really important for kid. A lot of kids get very embarrassed, and it prevents them from doing a lot of things because they think they're going to look stupid or whatever. And, uh, and I think the, the same is with public speaking, you know, when, when people, uh, one of the greatest fears people have, if they've never done it before is public speaking. Uh, they'd rather, you know, jump off a building or, you know, light themselves on fire and throw themselves on a, down an elevator shaft, you know, than, than go out and speak because they're worried about being embarrassed. You know, it's just a big fear that people have. So if you have this lack of fear of embarrassment, you know, you, it doesn't matter if you go out and screw up, you know, if you stumble over a word or a word doesn't come out quite right or whatever, you just kind of move on. And, um, nobody cares, you know, nobody really notices it or if they notice it, they don't care. Uh, yeah. And very and rarely think, do they I, ever remember it. Like very rarely do they ever. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, especially when you're trying new products and services, if you're putting yourself out there, it's, it's like if something fails, yeah. 
they're not going to remember mm-hmm. be like, oh, you're the guy that tried that webinar business and it didn't work out. Like, no one remembers that. <laughs> right. Stuff. No one's going to care. Yeah. So I think it's in, and I think public speaking actually is a huge uh, success skill that people need, you know, uh, and I tell this to young people that to just go out there and practice public speaking. And um, even if it's only to three people, you know, just have a lecture and, you know, give a speech. And um, because it's one great people admire people who can speak publicly. They admire the courage. You're kind of a you're kind of a leader when you do that. Uh, and it leads to it leads to a lot. A lot of good things can happen. You know, if you can lead a uh, in business, if you could do a PowerPoint presentation and, you know, make coherent points and uh, you're up in front of a room, whether it's, you know, 10 people or 20 people or 50 people. You know, you're the focus of attention for everybody, and and then they're going to see you as the expert, as the person that they should come to, if they want to buy your service. You know, so um, yeah, totally, completely. And yeah. and I'm curious, as you as you sort of strive to become that, right? One of the questions that I love to ask people on this show is, if you had to boil it down to one thing that people could do every day to improve, what would it be? And I'm curious in this context, let's just say that that one thing was to to get over their fears of public speaking, whether that's on a stage or whether that's um, with their marketing, trying to tell stories around their product or service, uh, but put themselves out yeah. there in some way, shape, or form. What would you What would you say is the most important thing? How would you start that journey for yourself? I would probably start a podcast. You know, just uh, start put up a YouTube channel and start doing. Uh, podcasts you know so for example I, I i i've done some podcasting not 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 as a kind of a business or anything just because i thought i had something to say and so i put it up there and i found that i used to script it out and it would just be every three words be perfect and i think that's i think it is good to script it out to a certain degree you really want to know what you're saying so it's focused and all that. but i think it's it comes across as not spontaneous and uh so you want to kind of be more stream of Consciousness, know what you're going to say, but you know you add things along the way, and because people want to see who you are, people want to see the real you, and if it looks too kind of scripted out, uh, they don't, they're not, they're not going to see it as believable. So I think that's, uh, but I think it's just practice, just like with everything. I mean, break dancing or whatever it is, it's just getting out there and doing it regularly all the time. You know, practice, practice. You know, it's the process. You know, as I say, uh, process over goals. You know, when you it's the process of doing it every day that is going to make you better. And that is ultimately going to um, take you where you want to go in life or get someplace pretty good. You know, I always say too, that uh, you can have the goal that's out there, but if you're going through that process, you might not reach that goal, but good things will happen as a result of doing the right things every day. You know, if you exercise every day and just make that part of your lifestyle, you know, you're going to be in a better place you know, when you're my age, uh, you know, or when you're 70, most likely, you know, uh, most likely you will be. Um, and if you let all that stuff go and that's not part if it's not like brushing your teeth, you know, process, you know, you brush your teeth every day. Well, you should be exercising every day. You should be your diet, you know, what you eat, what you put in yourself. That should be part of all your process. And then you should have a schedule for what you're going to be doing every day. I mean, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing when I get up in the morning, you know, it's 7 a.m. I know what I'm going to be doing at 7 a.m. And then I do that until it's usually some kind of writing project. And then I do that until noon. And then the sooner I get that, whatever I'm getting done, done, I can get, do some break dancing. The other thing too, the other the great thing about breaking 
is because I do writing a lot of focus, you know, which requires a lot of mental focus, you can maybe do that for 40, 40 minutes and then your brain kind of turns to mush. So then I can do 10 minutes of breaking or 10 minutes of something, you know, some breaking thing, which is not a mental, it's a physical thing, but it helps get me back. You know, it gets my mind off of this thing, uh, gets the blood moving, and then I can get back to the project again, do another 40 minutes, do another 10 minutes of breaking. So that's my process. Which, which by the way, like, do you end up, do you have a space that you can do yeah. that? Every single time I go into your Facebook page, I see you, I think it, it's in your basement or something with mirrors and everything where you've yeah, got the whole set up. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I have it. Well, I have the yeah, I have the base, the Chicago house. It's a basement, and then the Florida house. It's kind of more the what should be the living room. My wife's not uh, super happy about that. <laughs> where where in Florida? Um, where in Fort Florida? Lauderdale. Fort okay. Lauderdale. Yeah. 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 Well, next time, so next time you're back there, if you ever get back there, like I'm just down, I'm just south of you. Yeah, I just, uh, I just, I just uh, heard that there on the intro. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, uh, so, but, but, so but process I agree. over goals. Yeah. So anyway, but the process over goals. So people say, you know, uh, you know, is life luck? And to a certain extent, and to a certain extent it is, you know, was Bill Gates lucky or was it that he worked so hard and he got, you know, it's sort of both. He obviously really had a good work ethic and he was super smart and all this stuff, but he also had the right parents. He had the right genes, you know, he had the right, uh, drive and, and all that. He had the right ideas. And, you know, is that, so in a way that's luck. But he also went through, obviously, very process, you know, and, and he probably when he started out, he probably didn't know what Microsoft was going to become. Right. But uh, but, it, you know, over time, you know, it, it became Microsoft. So uh, but when he was there in his garage or in his, his in his garage working on this stuff or same with Steve Jobs, you know, they didn't know where it was going to end up. Uh, they thought they had something, um, but I don't think they really set out to be rich. Maybe Gates did a little bit. But it was more they were just really interested in kind of changing the world and they had some new ideas yep. and they just did this every day. So. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from this um, this uh, French sailor. So I used to be I used to work on tall ships like all of my 20s. So I spent a lot of time on the water, a lot of sailing all over. And uh, there's this uh, French sailor, Bernard Montassier, right? Famous guy. He's uh, one of the guys that was first in a round the world solo race back in, you know, back in like another era of sailing. And anyway, one of the quotes, he wrote several books. One of those was the work teaches you the work. And Mm -hmm. I love that because it's exactly what you're talking about. Like it's the process that really shows you what it is that you need to know. And you can learn that rather than trying to come up with this grand goal, this grand idea, plan it all out to a T and then get frustrated when things don't really go the way that you think right. they will. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it kind of comes like uh, people say, should you pursue your passion? And and um, I kind of I, I used to say yes, but now I think maybe not. I think that you can actually learn to make what you're doing your passion. So uh, now I think it is good to do something that you kind of like. But I like to treat life and your whatever you're doing, your work, whether it's, you know, maybe you're. Maybe you're washing windows on the outside of Chicago skyscrapers. One of the breakers I know does that. He actually goes up. He's actually hanging up and he's really? washing windows. He actually really likes it. I mean, it's, it's pretty <laughs> But, you know, so he, so I think whatever you're doing, you should treat it as a game that you try to win. Uh, so whatever it is, you you just treat this as a game that you're trying to, well, win or, or get better at. Um, and if you, so, so whether it's going to work every day 
Uh, you know, it's your fitness regimen. It's, you know, learning something new, learning a new skill. It's a game that you you treat everything kind of as a game that you want to win. Um, or at least you want to get better at. And that becomes your process because the only way you can get better at a game is to practice, is to do it every day. And I think it's important to have little benchmarks, goals that you want to do each day, that you want to achieve it each day. So, for example, when I wrote my first book, I wrote it in college, a book called Poisoned Ivy, and it was one of the first books. I guess it was the first book to uh, talk about the political correctness problem that uh, on the campuses. And this came out in 1984. The book published in 84, published in 80, 1984, but I actually wrote it in 1981. It took me a while to get it published. And uh, it was a bestseller. It did well. Um, but when I set out to write this book, I thought, Oh my gosh, how am I going to write a, you know, a 300 page book or 250 page book? I barely even want to read it. Hold on. Let me get rid of this. Um, I, I barely read a 300 page book, much less write one. But, um, so, so, uh, so I, what I did was I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write three pages a day. And I'm going to sit down at the typewriter. We didn't have computers back then. It was just typewriter, 1981, 1982. And I said, well, if I, could, if, I sit in front of the, if I sit in front of my typewriter, I'm going to sit there for eight hours if I have to. And, um, you know, I can either sit there for eight hours and look at the blank page or I can write the three pages. And so guess what? Yep. You write the three pages. So that's the process. And so then after 100 days, then you have a 300-page manuscript, right? So maybe I 600 and cut it down to 300. But so, but just writing three pages I can do, but write a 300 page book. No, I can't do that, but I can write three pages a day. And then at the exactly. end, you have a, you have a book and the same, I think happens, you know, with Bill Gates building Microsoft. He's not thinking I'm going to build this, you know, trillion dollar company. He's not thinking that he's thinking, what am I going to do today? And what am I going to do tomorrow? And breaking it down into those little steps, little by little, step by step is Inside. the way that it's, yeah. Yep. Uh, actually, a good a good story along that line. My daughter uh, Maddie, she wanted to get in shape, and and uh, but she she hates exercise. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so I said, well, you, you kind of need to do some exercise, but if you want to get in shape, so he, she says, well, how do I do that? And I said, well, I tell you, make a commitment every day to go to the gym, and if you get to the gym and you decide you don't want to do it, you just don't feel up to it that day. Turn around, come home. But at least you will have put on your gym outfit, your sneakers, and you will have gone to the gym. And uh, and that's a success. If you don't get on the treadmill, if you don't do this and that, um, it's still a success because you you went there. You started. So getting started is the key. And she looked at me and she said, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and guess what? In six months, she was like – she was like, she had a washboard stomach. She was like, really? Yeah, she started. Yeah. And once, once you get on the treadmill, don't think, oh, I've got to do this for 45 minutes or I've got to do this for an hour. Just start, start, just start walking, you know, just start walking. Then maybe you pick it up. And I do that well, with the breaking too. Like sometimes I feel like my body's so sore. I just don't, it's like stiff, especially when you're age 62. So, okay, just start and just like take a couple steps and, you know, and then, once you get going, you don't, if I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do all this, you know, head spins and stuff like that at the start, I'm not going to want to do that. So it could, because it just sounds too painful. Yeah. So I think that, <laughs> so, but the treadmill, if you, if you think, oh my gosh, I've got to do an hour on the treadmill, that's probably, you're probably not going to do it. But if you say, well, I'm just going to start, maybe I'll do it for 10 minutes and see how it goes. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's well, much easier yeah. to transition into it and do it, yeah. do it for longer. And actually, mm-hmm. that's a great segue into the follow-up question that I love to ask guests is, uh, is if they started, if they started to do something consistently, um, and let's just say, for instance, based on what we're talking about, that it's, uh, it's trying to get their message out there. Maybe it's, like you said, starting a podcast or starting something where they just start to broadcast who they are, their personality, mm. start to talk to people, people that maybe they wouldn't have reached otherwise, put their ideas out there. Where do you think if they just did that, broke it up into small steps, where would they end up mentally, physically, uh, paint a picture in your experience of watching people transition and do it consistently, or if anything, even for yourself? Yeah, I'm not really an expert on how to build a podcast, but I think that if you, when you're doing your podcast or or whatever you're writing, uh, have a particular person in mind that you're trying to reach. In other words, really kind of almost do your podcast to one person. And I do that with my letters and my marketing. I have one person, like I might, I might be writing to my mother or my, am I in my mind, you know, or this is the person I'm trying to reach and really have not, not like a generic person, not an avatar, not, not a type, but actually write to a particular person or do your podcast to a particular person. So, you know, maybe I'd, I would have, let's say, uh, my daughter in mind, or I might have someone else in mind and try to do it to that person. Because if that person, you know, it's probably like a lot of other people. And um, if you make your if you make your messaging too generic, it's not really going to reach anybody. So I, I would say it's narrow. Narrow is the gate to par- gate to the narrow the gate to paradise. So the narrow your narrower your focus, the more uh, loyal and intense your following is going to be because what you're doing is is it can't be found in other places. It's part of that differentiation, that purple cow that. Um, you know, like say if you did a if you did a podcast on helicopter news or something, you know, helicopter. <laughs> so you're not going to maybe get a big audience, but the people who are interested in like building helicopters, they're going to be watching, right? So yeah, it might you might yeah, exactly get, you might not get millions of people, but it might be a very profitable kind of niche. Yeah, exactly. Like just like you were it's saying, better. the long form is way better than the short form. Like those helicopter, if you wrote a long letter about <laughs> helicopter stuff, right? Like they're gonna read it, and people that are just like eh, helicopters, okay, right? And they see all that long stuff, they're probably gonna bail, which is fine because they were never yeah. right to begin with. Right. Well, so it, actually, the helicopter news one is kind of funny because uh, uh, there was a, a, a marketing guy who. Uh, um, uh, Phillips Publishing, Tom Phillips. So he had he had all these newsletters and niche products. And I saw this newsletter he had uh, was Helicopter News. I said, "Well, my gosh, how, how many how many readers does it, does this have?" He says, "Oh, we have like you know twenty five hundred readers." I said, "Well, is it?" Is he, and he said it was like one of their most profitable products. It <laughs> and did he, they, you can charge what, a lot for it. And what did, and what was his business essentially? He didn't write that newsletter. Obviously, he found people no, he, that were he, helicopter he, experts. Right. He would hire the experts. So he had lots of newsletters like fitness newsletters of health newsletters, financial, and also all these like fiber optic news, you know, um, all these kind of uh, itches. And it was, so he built it into a hundred million dollar company or even bigger than that, I think. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, it really is like, it's better to, it's better to try and grab a small section, but go deep than it is to try and talk to everybody. And I love the idea of, because everybody talks about an avatar, then, hey, what's your avatar like? And yes, true, I feel like it's important in some way, shape, or form to have that ideal. But when you're writing, 
you're writing to one specific person that exists Mm -hmm. in real life. You just get, it's more of a, it's got more integrity. The stuff that you're writing, the content has more integrity. Yeah. I mean, one of the, uh, like really keep, that's really for, uh, one of my marketing gurus, Richard Vigory calls it the four horsemen of marketing and basically four really key pillars. And one of it's, it's position. Uh, let's see, uh, position, uh, which is the hole in the marketplace. So you have to have a hole in the a hole in the marketplace. So that's that helicopter news or fiber optic news hole in the marketplace. Doesn't need to have a lot. It doesn't need to be big, but it owns that spot. And so that's really critical. Then there's differentiation, which is let's say there's competitors for this hole in the marketplace. Let's say there's a couple. You know, there's there's, there's Hertz, there's Avis. You know, these rental cars. So what is it that makes you different? From the from competitors who are within that hole, and then there's the unique selling proposition, which also could be uh, rephrased as benefit. What are the benefits? You know, so um, uh, and then uh, and then, then there's the brand. Uh, what is your brand? But for brand isn't as important for you know if you're below the Nike level, if you're if you don't have the billions of dollars to spend, what you do want to do is find that hole in the marketplace, and then you want to differentiate yourself from the competition. You want to be the purple cow within that hole. And uh, then you want to uh, have a good offer, uh, which is the unique self selling proposition. You know, what is the benefit um, and what is the offer? So those are, you know, if you if you kind of get any of those wrong, you have kind of an uphill struggle in terms yeah. of making your marketing campaign work. Yep. Yep. I love that. And I honestly, this is just this whole conversation has been awesome to just speak to you about this stuff. I mean, one, just because of the breakdancing stuff, but two, because, dude, you're so knowledgeable about every, you know, about direct response marketing. And it's so applicable to people, particularly now as everything mm-hmm. has moved online. So uh, if people have well, me, more. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah ahead. Let, me get, let me just let me just give you one, uh, on the marketing front. I, re- I love marketing. Now, I, did, I got into it by accident. I was a speech writer. I, I, and then after I did the speech writing for the politicians and corporate CEOs and so forth. Um, I found that by I just fell into this direct mail, direct marketing thing, thing by accident, uh, partly because it was more profitable. I found I could, you know, by selling many copies of a direct mail letter, I could make more money. But also, I really like the fact that marketing is really about human psychology. You know, you have to be an, an amateur human psychologist to do it. And particularly, you know, you have to just kind of understand patterns of mass human behavior, what motivates people to buy, what motivates people to act. And one of the great books on that, uh, really the 800 pound gorilla in my view in this field is uh, Robert Cialdini uh, in his, his book Influence and the, uh, uh, his book Persuasion. And, uh, but I think even better is his second book, which is Persuasion. And, um, and he, that, those are really good. And if you want to understand kind of how the human mind works and, and you know, just say, for example, one of the most powerful words in marketing is the word because uh, if you say because, you know, X and then you say because you can almost say gibberish after it. That makes no sense. And people just say people just think because you said because you have a reason for something, it's kind of automatically more persuasive. So uh, and there's a lot of things there's just to read those books uh, by Cialdini. But there's some other ones, too, like Claude Hopkins, Scientific Advertising. That's great. Um, and. Uh, uh, anything by recent trout, the 22 laws of immutable, uh, the 22 immutable laws of marketing is terrific, is a classic book. Okay. Uh, let me see some others. Uh, well, Ogilvy on, on advertising is a classic yeah. and anything That's by cool. Seth, Seth Godin is good. So, uh, yeah, I you really have to read a lot about marketing because it's not some, it's something that you really have to learn. It's a lot of marketing principles are not 
uh, intuitive. They're not something you would know on your own uh, because a lot of the a lot of what we know about marketing is the result of the testing of tests, tests, decades and decades of testing uh, that we found out what works. You know, like, for example, Hopkins back in the 1920s probably really invented modern advertising. Um, they couldn't figure out how to sell toothpaste. He, uh, uh, Paul, I think it was Paul, uh, Paul, I think Colgate or Paul, I can't remember, one of the toothpaste companies, they couldn't sell toothpaste. So, uh, and they were saying, well, it, it, it's going to prevent cavities and all that. And, um, but what he found through his testing and so forth was that what people really, what really sold them was the brighter smile. That's what people want. They want a brighter smile. They didn't really care about the cavities. They just want to have a brighter smile and better breath. And um, so. But it was all about the, it was all it about was all the about self image. That. Yeah. It's about the image. Yeah. So just, but you wouldn't know that without doing this testing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love yeah. that, man. I love that. Yeah, and and uh, I'll check out those books. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. check out those books for sure. And, uh, and, and honestly, so how, um, if people want to know more about what you're doing, uh, they want to connect with you, they want to see some of your breakdancing videos, like, uh, like <laughs> how, what's the best way to get in touch with you now if they want to ask questions or where should we point them? Um, not, you know, I guess they can go to my YouTube channel. I don't really have an active uh, YouTube channel or website. Most of my stuff is kind of uh, behind the scenes. I do a lot of uh, consulting, fundraising, um, marketing for uh, political candidates right now. Um, yep. Yep. With the election coming up. So I'm not really trying. I'm not really trying to be out there in front right now. I'm more. I've been more behind the scenes and kind of uh, I think somebody said. I can't remember who I think maybe it was Truman who said if you don't care if if you don't care who gets the credit you can accomplish a lot you know you can accomplish a lot <laughs> right or if you're not worried about the credit so I'm not so uh, interested in being out there uh, I, I prefer to be the person behind so I don't have a I mean I, uh, so I, I'll probably I'm probably going to put up a website it's, I've had websites but it's not really one of and I might uh, after the election um, I'll probably start start some podcasts uh, yeah and some. And putting out some content, but right now I'm just so busy with what I'm doing, you know. And I'm probably I have some books I want to write. Uh, so okay, uh, well, so I'll right, tell now you, I'm not, you... right now I'm not really selling anything, frankly. I'm just kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah, my thing. Um, well, you know, if you when you client. when you when you do get the podcast up and running, you got to let me know so that we can we can attach it. We'll oh, put all that information on here. Yep. Oh, and right now, guy. in in the video description, right now, I've got people. Uh, it's linked to your YouTube channel. So, if anything, okay, you guys good. can go and yeah, check that out and watch some of those videos. Yeah, you've done. yeah, yeah. There'll be some good. Some, and I'll I'll start putting up some content probably after the election. Yeah, I like it. I like it, <laughs> man. This was this was this was so great, Ben. I uh, I know that you've been real busy these days, and I just want to say uh, I loved this conversation, and I, I so appreciate your time today. Yep. Well, thanks, Josh. Yeah, yeah, we're sending. Let's see. I think we're going to send out. We're going to send out like a hundred million postal letters this this uh, year, and and uh, probably you know a couple hundred million emails and text messages and stuff. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, crazy, man. You are operating kind of on a. Oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah, operating so, on a crazy. Yeah, and of course, scale. I haven't been. I haven't been to a real office uh, since the since the mid 1990s. That's the other thing. It's just kind of I. I set out kind of design my life that I wouldn't have to, you know, fight rush hour traffic and so forth. And so uh, I succeeded. I hate at doing rush that. hour traffic. <laughs> yeah. I hate rush hour traffic. Can't stand it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, man, this was, but honestly, this was so good. So 
Uh, good luck with the campaigns. I know that you're working hard on that. I do really appreciate the time. Uh, if Would you like to leave anybody with anything, uh, any words of advice, any pieces of wisdom from Ben Hart uh, before think. we go? Yeah, I would just say uh, if you're interested in marketing, really read a lot. Uh, read read the, 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 the big heavyweights on it, you know, the Robert Cialdini, uh, his books, Reese and Trout, 22 Laws, Immutable Laws of Marketing, um, Claude Hopkins, who really is the founder of modern advertising, writing back in the, yeah, he was being paid a million dollars a year as a copywriter back in the 1920s. That's how valuable he built entire industries. He built the auto industry. He built the beer industry. He built the toothpaste. He built entire market categories. You know, he's kind of like Steve, you know, what Steve Jobs did with the iPhone, you know, he created an entire category. Well, that's what Hopkins did back then. So, uh, yeah. I'm I'm gonna check them out, man. You've got yeah. me so interested. Scientific advertising. Let me see another one here. Another book I like. It's not as famous. Is Made to Stick, which is uh, by um, Chip and Dan Heath, and that's the about. Oh, that's the my favorite story. Yeah, that's my favorite book, uh, marketing book that I've read in recent years. Is Made mm-hmm. to Stick. Yeah, I think that's a very good book. It's not. It's not you know talked about that much, but I I, I think it's a terrific book. Yeah, same. Dude, this is yeah. this is great. We're going to have to have it. Once you start your podcast and you uh, after all the election like craziness subsides, we'll have to have you back and we'll talk more about breakdancing. Maybe maybe take a tour <laughs> of your breakdancing room down sure. below. Sure. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> well, Josh, it's awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's it's been just tremendous. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, man. I'm glad that you had a good time. I had a great time and uh, and I just want to say thanks again. And this is Josh and Ben signing off for another episode of Fire Builders Live. Ben, thank you again. And we'll see you guys next time. Adios. (laughs) 